Hey, and welcome to the Shorty. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. There's Jerry. Let's get things started. Yeah, let's get it started in here. <laughs> did you ever have a lemonade stand growing up at all? I believe I did, but it was Kool-Aid. Mm. Actually, who am I kidding? It was Flavor-Aid. <laughs> so you were a cult leader? <laughs> uh, I don't, I think I might have had one at some point, but I, you know, very famously grew up on a, in the woods on a street with like six houses. So mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine that it would have been on my street because it would have been completely pointless. So your trick-or-treating just sucked. Well, we had to go other places. Did you have to take a car to go other places? Yeah, I'd drive over to a friend's house who lived in a big neighborhood that I uh, was so jealous of. That's a good friend to have. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel like we've had this conversation before. Probably. We've had every conversation <laughs> yeah. before by now. <laughs> yes, but this is not about Halloween. This is about the origins of lemonade and uh, mm-hmm. also of the lemon itself. Yeah, so I did not know this, Chuck. We have no idea where the lemon came from. None. We know that it was a hy- it's a hybrid of a sour orange and a citron. Um, so we know that it was crafted by human hands, but we have no idea who did this, where they did it, and exactly when they did it, which I find fascinating. I liked lemons before. Now I'm in love with them. <laughs> yeah, and I believe, didn't you talk about citrons in the... Uh, Pompeii. Pompeii episode. That's what you were getting there, right? Right, but I didn't realize that they were citrons. Right, you were like, those weird big lemons that don't have any juice and are all rind. Yeah, the size of your head. <laughs> yeah, that's about right, but... Uh, you know, everyone knows you can't get a lot of juice from a citron. So what you need if you wanted to make lemonade was a real lemon. And mm-hmm. apparently they have traced at least the precursor to lemonade uh, to medieval Egypt where they made something called Kashkab, not Kashkab, the great TV show. Or Kashkari, the guy who handled the tart bailout. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. Kash- Kashkari. Mm-hmm. Uh, fermented barley combined with mint, rue, black pepper, and citron leaf. And I could see you actually trying to make a cocktail out of this, an ancient cocktail. Yeah, I had to look up rue. It's like a very pretty meadow flower. I'm not sure what it would taste like, but yeah, they had me at fermented barley, really. Throw some, yeah, throw some extra vodka in there and you're set. Like, I love fermented anything. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. I'm crazy about kombucha. I love pickles, olives, anything. If you ferment anything, I will eat it. Yeah, throw an old shoe and a vat of vinegar and Mm -hmm. you'll eat it in a month. Uh, I if if I go, I should say when I eventually go to Iceland, I will be trying that fermented shark. That's supposed to be like the nastiest thing in the world. Mm. I will try it because I love fermented stuff. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, there's another thing that came out of um, Egypt, I think, as well, mm-hmm. called Katarmazat, and it's lemonade. There's really no other way to put it, and it was made in at least the 10th century. So again, medieval times in Egypt. Um, It was either created or sold or consumed or all three of those by the Jewish community in Cairo. Um, And they just basically added sugar and lemon juice together to make katarmazat, which again is, that's lemonade. And I think earlier than that, honey was probably what people used. Uh, But, you know, lemons are so tart, you need some sugary agent to cut that and make it drinkable. For sure. But we, so we know that um, they made something from 
something like maybe citron or if not lemon. The first reference to a lemon tree comes from the 10th century as well in an uh, Arabic book on farming by a guy named Kustus al-Rumi. And he was the first to mention a lemon tree ever. So we know that they were around by then. They may have been around for a few hundred years by then, from what I saw. I think northern India, and then it was in Italy by 200 CE. This is lemons, not lemonade yet. We haven't reached lemonade exactly yet. Yeah, so if you want to talk about what we think of modern lemonade, uh, you need to go to 17th century Europe, where in Paris, in fact, they even have a day, supposedly, August August 20th, 1630, uh, it made its debut, which was a sparkling version, a sparkling water, lemon juice, and honey. Yeah, man. Have you ever added just sparkling water to lemonade? No, but I I drink those uh, things that we used to have here in the office that are so delicious. Surge. No. (laughs) I can't remember the name. Jolt. It's the one where you peel like the foily paper off the top of the can first. Oh, San Pellegrino. Yeah, the Pellegrino lemon. Mm -hmm. I don't drink many of them because they're like super sugary and stuff. so good. But they're so delicious. Yeah, and like their blood orange, their grapefruit, all of them are so good. Yeah. You're right, they are pretty sugary though. And if you read the back of the can, you're like, whoa, it's like a Coke. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, I got to avoid that stuff. But it's worth it though once in a while. You got to treat yourself, Chuck. Yeah, so these vendors in Paris would sell the stuff from tanks on their back and it was wildly successful across Europe because it is so refreshing. And apparently, even in 1676, it was so popular that the vendors got together and formed a, a union, a lemonade union, called mm-hmm. the Compagnie de Lemonadiers. Nice work. And then, it, uh, eventually, it had a bigger craze because of uh, a man named Joseph Priestley, probably related to Jason Priestley, I think. Clearly. We've talked about him in the nitrous oxide episode. Yeah, he invented the thing that made carbonated water. Uh, I guess, was that before Mr. Schwepp? Yes. Okay. No. Maybe maybe contemporaneously, yeah. I think he was around the same time. He was in the late 18th century, maybe mid-18th century. But yeah, Schwepp came up with his thing in the 1780s. Right. So that made it even more popular with this fizzy version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's take a quick break, and then we'll move across the pond to America right after this. All right, dude. So we've made it across to the United States. What a journey. By the 18th century, um, lemonade's all over America. And again, people are adding like sparkling water or soda to lemonade, which Mm -hmm. I want to encourage. It's so good. (laughs) It's good. Um, And by about the time of the the late 19th century, lemonade, it was pretty popular. People liked it. Um, And the temperance movement actually clamped onto it and said, this is a really good alternative to liquor. You want some liquor? Forget about it. Just drink some sparkling (laughs) lemonade and you'll you'll be as trashed as you want. Yeah, especially if you enjoy it in its best form, which is to add liquor. (laughs) Right. I think the temperance movement was like, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, it was was, uh, apparently sun-kissed even back then 
which I didn't know was around back then. Uh, they had a slogan that said, goodbye to liquor, here's to lemonade. Yes. And because everyone went, Ugh, that's a lame substitute. <laughs> they said, do we have to choose? <laughs> so there was actually a period in, um, in the 19th century, 1877 to 1881, where if you were uh, invited to a White House dinner or function or something, you were not going to be served liquor. You now you had to probably, sneak in a flask. You would probably you probably get in big trouble because Rutherford B. Hayes, he was the one who um, who who signed that um, pro- that executive order to to apparently to curry favor with the um, the prohibition party. Yeah. Um, but his wife was very well known as a teetotaler. She was a big time into the temperance movement. His wife, Lucy, uh, Lucy Hayes, and she was dubbed Lemonade Lucy yeah. because um, people, I guess, wanted to, to poke fun at her for her beliefs. And that wasn't a very good job. And she sighed and said, well, I guess it's better than liquor, Lucy. <laughs> they said, we hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so I didn't know that Lemonade had a circus connection, did you? Nope. I had no idea that this was a thing, but apparently lemonade and especially pink lemonade Mm -hmm. has a circus connection uh, in that it came from the, or at least in 1879 from West Virginia's Wheeling Register newspaper Mm -hmm. told a story about how the circus turned lemonade pink. And there are a couple of different, well, many different versions, but the two, uh, two stories that stuck of how this happened, one is sounds like it could be delicious, and one is really gross. Yeah. So one c- is found in a 1912 obituary in the New York Times for a guy named Henry E. Allett, and this would have happened years and years before because he uh, ran away as a boy to join the circus. And this this story is that he was um, he accidentally dropped some red colored cinnamon candies. Mm-hmm into a vat of lemonade and just said, well, I'm not going to throw this away. And he sold it as pink lemonade, and people loved it. I bet that's good. That's what I'm thinking is that, and what are the little cinnamon candies that we ate when we were kids? Cinnamon candies. Do you I remember can't... their name? They were like right next to the lemon heads. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, I remember. Red Hots? Yeah, Red Hots. Good job. The other one I remember is Alexander the Grape. The other I remember is Boston Baked Beans. Yeah, which are not actually beans. They're nuts. They're candy-coated peanuts. Such a weird name. It is. Uh, Like, have you ever had Boston Cottage Cheese? It is not that. Oh, God. Uh, But this pink lemonade, I bet with, like, a little hot cinnamon, I bet that's a pretty delicious thing to drink. It could be, sure. Like, today when you make pink lemonade, it's usually, like, red food coloring or something like that. But back in the day, after pink lemonade was created, um, what's Dr. Kellogg's name, the guy from Battle Creek? No, oh, I can't remember his first name. Well, he um, he came up with a recipe that uses like either a grenadine or cranberry mm, juice or something yeah. like that to make it pink and just kind of slightly alter the flavor. Right. The other origin story, though, that is gross that I mentioned was from 1857. And this is when a circus concession worker was in a big hurry to make a batch of lemonade, grabbed the first water they could find, mm-hmm. which apparently was a, a wash tub full of pink water from a performer's dirty pink tights. And they used that and people enjoyed it. Well, I don't think they knew what the the source was of the pink water. Yeah. That's pretty gross. That is. But either way, so we're going to go with the other one, the Henry E. Allett one, okay? Yeah. The the Red Hots one. Agreed. Well, uh, that's it for Lemonade, right? 
Yeah, I got nothing else. Unless, actually, should we mention the make lemons out of lemonade origin? Oh, oh yeah, good call, man. Yeah, apparently this was a borrowed phrase by Elbert Hubbard in 1915 uh, for an obituary for a humorist named Marshall Pickney Wilder. And uh, Wilder was three and a half feet tall, and he was a world-famous kind of uh, household name comedian. And at one point, he didn't want people to be stigmatized, and he said something like, fate handed me a lemon, but I've made lemonade of it. And that's the earliest place that people can find that. Good for that guy. Yep. That's awesome. I got nothing else. It's a great origin story. Well, I don't either. If you want to get in touch with me and Chuck, you can uh, go to stuffyoushouldknow.com. It's got all of our social media links there. And uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. 